podcast brought to you by Read More Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Thank You For Asking, a very special episode of Thank You For Asking. I hope you're all doing well this week, managing, getting through. I think everything has been in retrograde in the past, like, two weeks, and I've been seeing just a lot of chaos all around. So hopefully we're all getting through as best as we possibly can. I am so pumped for today's episode. You all know that we do solo episodes where I come on without a guest pretty regularly, but in this new season of the show, we wanted to rethink how we were engaging all of you in these no guest episodes. So today is the very first time that in addition to me sharing my thoughts and experiences on a topic, you all are also going to be included in the episode. Thank you so much to everyone who called in and left voicemails. You'll get to hear from other listeners of the show and get their take and perspectives on this topic. So you've probably already gauged from the title and from the post we put out, but today we're going to be diving into living alone, going solo, kicking out the roommates, the pros, the cons, the tips, all of that good stuff. So before we jump into the listener messages, I wanted to start by talking about my own living alone roommate journey. It was a pretty straightforward one, honestly, and it happened really natural to me. I wasn't fleeing a bad roommate situation or anything like that. I think with my personality type, when I finally did move out on my own, it was kind of just like the natural thing to do. But let me take you through a little bit of a a roommate journey. (laughs) So for most of my life growing up, my younger sister and I actually shared a bedroom. So for the entire time that I was in high school, middle school, all of that before college, I'd never really had my own space. I mean, I did when I was like much younger, but for the most part, for most of my sister's life, we were sharing a room together. And my family also often lived in very close quarters, like very small houses and apartments. So for me, I don't think that I was always like itching to have personal space, but I'd never really gotten a real taste of what it was like to just own a significant amount of space to do with whatever you wanted. So I could see now why I've always probably been naturally just drawn to having my own space. But personally, I've always been the kind of person who, you know, I like, I'm a very territorial person. Like when I was in college, when I go to the library, I don't want a desk. I need a table because I need to spread out. I need to be able to like have a notebook here and a water bottle there. Like I don't like to be confined. So yeah, growing up, I really always had to kind of like stick to my side of things. And that was always in the back of my mind but like I said it was never like a thing I was dying to escape when I got to college my freshman year I had one roommate we lived in a double room so one room two beds on either side which didn't really phase me because it felt a lot like sharing a room with my younger sister only this person was the same age as me and that was a great roommate situation I didn't have any like horror horror stories I think you know we got along pretty well I never had to like switch rooms. I know some people who did our freshman year. And then my sophomore year, I lived in a three bedroom on campus apartment. Shout out to Temple Towers. And I shared a bedroom with one of my best friends, Hey Corey. And we shared that apartment with four other girls who we became pretty close with. I mean, when you have six, what were we, 19 year old women living in an apartment, it was always like chaos. Like no one's on the same schedule. No one had like the same standard of 
cleaning. That was my first time living with non-Black people. So, you know, there were some experiences, but I think the fact that I shared a direct room with one of my best friends made it super, super easy. And then to the rest of college was like dorms, dorms. My senior year of college was like another interesting living situation. I had a house. It was a four bedroom house that I shared with one of my best friends and then two people who I had just met that year. And that house was an experience that was truly a trap house in every meaning of the word. Um, Lots of drama, lots of chaos. But again, like I had one of my best friends as a roommate and it was like a really nice sized house. We had had a decent sized bedroom where I can kind of like hold up in my bedroom if I wanted to. We had a big kitchen, a living room, a basement. So I never really felt like I was confined there. And I was also so busy. It was college. It was my senior year. I was working. I was interning. I led a lot of student orgs. So like being home wasn't something that I experienced often. And when I was home, I feel like I generally had a good time there. It was all good. So fast forward to graduation and after college, it was time to move off campus. And I was kind of stuck. I was so broke, like beyond broke, like broke honestly is like too nice of a word to describe where I was. I just got in my first like post-grad job, but I hadn't started at the time that I was moving out. So I think I was moving out in May, right after graduation. I think I had that apartment maybe until June and then I had to start my job in August. So it was like a month of like money limbo, housing limbo, and I needed to figure out what I was going to do. My cousin at the time was looking to move to Philadelphia and decided that we should just combine resources and move in together. She was actually the one who found the apartment that we were living in. And when I thought I was like going to view, she had already like fully committed to this apartment. And at that point, it was like in my best interest just to go with it rather than continue to look on my own and try to like come up with a solution on my own. So right after graduation, I ended up sharing a loft studio apartment with one of my older cousins. We got along really well. Like there were no major personality clashes. The biggest clash that we would ever have would be the temperature clash because she likes a very hot house and I do not. <laughs> I would rather be shivering than sweat for a second. But you know, it was just it was a really small space in a really expensive apartment to have no walls or a bedroom door. So we stayed our lease there. I was there for a year, loved the neighborhood. I was living in Old City, Philadelphia, which is like a really cute historic area of the city with lots of like coffee shops and small stores boutiques museums love the neighborhood but definitely wanted at that point to be getting one more bang for my buck and then just to you know have the space that I hadn't had for my entire life so my first ever apartment by myself was a small studio <laughs> it was quote unquote the fourth floor but with those stairs it was literally like the 17th floor in a walk up it was a little little studio but the way that it was laid out it almost looked like a faux one bedroom because there was like there were no doors but there was a wall that separated my living area from my bedroom area and another one that separated the kitchen off so it, it like it was really well sectioned it was super affordable it was definitely like the best <laughs> budget for where I was living. I 
loved that apartment it was small and cozy but I felt safe I felt secure I loved the location I was able to walk to work walk to anything it was a good time I had so many great memories there I changed jobs in that apartment like so much good happened in that apartment that was when I really started to up my content that's where I launched my YouTube channel I had so many memories and that was the first time that I experienced having full autonomy over my space like everything I decided was up to me my apartment that I had stayed in previously with my cousin also came fully furnished so I also didn't have any furniture like I showed up to this apartment with some books and some clothes and my hopes and dreams like I had nothing and I have been you know independent and on my own for a long time so that was also the first time that I was experiencing like adulting 2.0 where oh wow like I run a household it's mine and I can go at my own pace and do what I want but everything in here is my responsibility so it took me a while to get you know all my furniture to get a couch to get a bed to get storage for things but in that apartment I learned so much about myself after graduation there was like a lot of really emotional things happening for me personally and I think that once I was finally in my own apartment I was able to fully process them and have the space to just like think and explore who I was outside of all of those emotional things that I was going through in that apartment that's where I rediscovered my love for books and reading I really hadn't been reading that much because I was in college and in college it's very hard to read for leisure when you always have to read for school. So that was the apartment where I first subscribed to book of the month and started getting back into fiction and then I got into romance again and then I started making my trips to the bookstore more frequent and I just couldn't get enough of reading and that's when I decided to start sharing what I was reading on my blog, on my social and that has completely changed so much of my life not only from like the opportunities that creating content around books has brought to me, but also just the joy and emotional support that reading again has gotten me. And the people who I've connected with through book content and bookstagram and booktube, like I think all the time about how close Phoebe and I are. She is at read and write on Instagram. And if I never would have gotten back into reading, we wouldn't even know each other. And that to me is kind of mind blowing. And so much of that is relying on me getting into that first apartment. So I stayed in that apartment for a few years. And then I was finally at the point where I was really just outgrowing the space. I, at this point, my book collection was growing too. And like books in a studio, difficult to manage. And I had just been itching for more space. So I was really lucky that um, close by, I was able to move into a one bedroom apartment with a much larger living room space to have more of an office, a bigger bedroom, bigger bathroom, still a little baby kitchen, but that's fine. And I've been in this apartment that I'm currently in, this one bedroom, since 2019. I quarantined in this apartment. I have ridden out the entire pandemic. I changed jobs multiple times in this apartment. I became a freelancer in this apartment. I launched this podcast in this apartment. So there's a lot of positive memory tied to this space. And I think I'm still honestly settling in. That's one thing we'll talk about when we get into the tips portion. But it's an ongoing process of making your house a home but this is the place where I have really felt like I've kind of like started to bloom a little bit where my first apartment felt more like where I just started planting the seeds and so it makes me excited for like where I will end up next so that has been my journey into living alone and into my first few post-grad big girl apartments 
I want to break now and get into some of these listener voicemails because I thought that all of your perspectives on living alone were so interesting. And I really love the fact that you all shared your experience with me because not everyone is meant to live alone. I think one thing that we have done incorrectly is attached living alone to this like false sense of success. Like if you're able to live alone, that means that you've reached a certain level of success. But there are people who are just happier when they live more in community and they don't do as well in isolation. And I think that's fine. I think as long as you are in a living situation where you are happy and comfortable and safe, then that is a note of success. I don't think that living alone notes anything about you that living with roommates doesn't and I think we need to really back off of that stigma so let's get into these voicemails okay so our first caller called in from Alaska they didn't give a name but I really love the points that they had to make about living alone or getting the chance to live alone even if you are married or partnered and have children so let's listen living alone for me has its ups and its own downs so I'm married, and, you know, as a woman, sometimes we tend to cater to, like, our relationships, or if we have children, we take care of our children as well. And so living alone when my husband goes on his work trips is sometimes something I look forward to because then I'm able to really just get to do the things I want to do, you know, clean things up the way I want them cleaned up and, you know, watch my shows that I like watching without any, like, input. And so, you know, sometimes the solitude is nice. But also being a woman that <laughs> lives in Alaska and not necessarily, um, like, Anchorage, but farther out where, you know, it, it's bigger land, it does get a little scary. The farther out you go, the darker it is during winter. You know, as a woman, I often worry about my safety, obviously being more aware of my surroundings when I come home uh, during winter because it's super dark. So stuff like that, it's an interesting balance, I would say. But overall, it's something that I enjoy from time to time, especially when I feel like I need some time to myself without actually flying off to do a vacation. <laughs> okay, I love the fact that this caller just went right into rethinking what it even means to get the opportunity to live alone. I've heard from so many people how scared they are of getting partnered with someone and then having to give up the autonomy of having your own space. But I do think that that's a boundary for you in relationships. And it makes so much sense that you would want to spend some time prioritizing ways that you can have your personal space and honor that boundary. Just because you're married to someone doesn't mean that you have to be in the house together all of the time. And it doesn't mean the only times that you would get the chance to escape is when you go on like a solo trip or a vacation. I'm all for making like your boundary enough reason to cause you to initiate an experience. So maybe that means that you like check into an Airbnb every once in a while or your partner goes away every once in a while so that you have that alone time and make it nice. Like I think that should be something that we normalize in relationships the same way that I think people are getting more into the couple should have separate bathrooms. Like sometimes you need a weekend away. I totally related when you started talking about safety. As someone who is a single woman living in the city, I'm always thinking about that. That's why it's so important to me to have my neighborhood where I feel secure, my building where I feel secure. 
Because you always do have to be thinking about like being hypervigilant as a woman, unfortunately. You are always concerned about your surroundings and your safety and what's going to happen. I hope more people who are in relationships or married or have kids do consider that like if you have been living with your wife or husband or your kids or family for so long, like how can you carve out some time to even experience living alone? I think about this a lot for people who get married super young because sometimes people go from living with roommates in college or living with your family in school to living with a partner and don't get to experience that. And I don't think that you can never experience it just because you've already committed to these other relationships and friendships in your life. There are so many ways to experience things. And I think that we should all rethink what it really means to live alone and when we get that time to do it. Okay, our next voicemail is from Alexa, who mentioned that she always wanted to live alone and then the pandemic completely turned that upside down. Um, My name is Alexa, and I think the reason I think was how do you feel about living alone? And I honestly, pre-pandemic, was like, I cannot wait to live alone. Um, I'm moving out of this house, you know, da-da-da. Pandemic came, and it's just me staying at the wall. Um... On top of, you know, not being around people at my job, it's been a lot. There are a lot of pros, um, not as many cons, I guess, but the biggest thing about living alone is, you know, you get to know yourself and kind of forced to, like, really see in all your feelings and everything. So, you know, it's all in all, I feel all right about living alone. I do wish I had more people in my complex. Maybe they might be a little bit easier, you know, chill, their place, come back to mind. But at the end of the day, six I'm sure that there are so many people who really struggled with living alone in the pandemic. I think for people, you really just have one or two reactions. Either it was really, really good for you and you thrived in your solo space or it was really tough and you struggled a bit. One thing that I thought was interesting that you mentioned was having, if you had been closer to someone in your complex or your building, it may have been different. And I do think that that is something to consider. There are people who live alone, but they have really tight communities in their buildings or on their block in their neighborhood. And that almost takes the space of having roommates where you know that there's someone next door who you can chat with, rely on, who's looking out for you, but you don't have that same invasion of space and you still get that high level of spatial autonomy. I have always lived in buildings where like everyone is pretty cool, but no one was like super, super tight. Like I speak to all of my neighbors, um, like we'll always speak if we see each other in the halls. My building has also been pretty varied. Like some people are super, super young and students. Some people are a little bit like young professionals, like my own age. So there's a lot of turnaround in my building usually. Like I've been here for a while. One of my neighbors has been here pretty long, actually a few, but then we get a lot of turnover in the other unit. So I don't think anyone is like BFF, but if we see each other, if we see someone has a package outside, like I know that they're looking out for me and that I would look out for them. So I do think that that does shape your experience a lot, who you live around, even when you don't live with someone. If you also really struggled in the pandemic to either live with yourself or live with roommates, let us know because I'm really interested to see how COVID has changed what we even require of our spaces. I thought that when the pandemic first happened, I was going to go stir crazy. I was like, you don't have enough space in this apartment. You should have moved. Like You shouldn't have renewed your lease. But honestly, this space has kept me so well in the pandemic. It 
is enough space where I don't feel like I'm going stir crazy and like jumping off the walls every day. But it's also small enough where I felt really safe and secure during a time when outside felt very uncertain and dangerous. So I'm very grateful for the space that I had during this last couple of years. Our third caller was a very familiar voice because in addition to being a reliable listener of the podcast, she's also one of my best friends. Kaylee lives in Philly too, and she had some thoughts to share about moving into her new solo apartment. Hi there. Um, I love you, Amber. I saw you posted on Instagram asking people about how they like living alone, and I just thought I'd share. My name is Kaylee, and One of my favorite things that I love about living alone has been to have this environmental autonomy and creating my own space. I have been able to really learn more about myself and what I like by decorating my own place and having complete creative freedom. I feel very privileged to be able to have my own space and our own place and do that. Um, So I love it. And one of the other things that I think is relevant to what I've learned from you, Amber, and what you share about in your content um, is about the physical boundary that having your own place can create. Yes, that could be the same as if you have your own room somewhere, but living alone has allowed me to create this space that I feel really proud of and then has kind of created this barrier in a way to me and the rest of the world where I let things into my space that I feel really happy about and that I enjoy and I can like have that door and like mentally make those decisions every single day to bring things into my life that I celebrate and that lift me up and then also like shut the door to things that don't do that. So thought I'd share. Love you, Amber. Big fan. Bye. I am so glad that someone mentioned physical boundaries in addition to just like having autonomy to do what you want within your space. Having physical boundaries is so, so important. So to help us conceptualize that, I'm going to define what a physical boundary even is. It literally means a naturally occurring barrier between two or more areas. And so it's not just like, oh, I'm able to put boundaries up about what can and cannot happen in my space. It's literally a place where you have a physical barrier between different areas of your life, whether that's home and work whether it's your friends and your personal life, even if it's within your own home, having different areas where you do things. Like I work from home at my desk, but I read and relax and unwind on my couch or in my bed. Or I make meals in my kitchen and in my shower is where I practice a lot of my like personal self-care, right? Like I'm face masking, I'm doing my hair, I do my makeup. Having all those physical boundaries is so important for your overall well-being. And of course, you can have those in any space that you're living in, hopefully, as long as it's a space where, you know, you're comfortable and you have some control. But I think having an entire home to act as a huge physical barrier between all the roles that you play is so incredibly useful, especially if you are an introverted person, especially if you are someone who is constantly role switching if you're someone who has to code switch a lot I know like as a black woman there are definitely times where I know I'm going to go into a space and show up as a version of myself but maybe not my full self because of the environment that I'm in but in my home that is like a signal to my body and to my brain that this is like we're good here and we can be ourselves here and we don't have to 
put up any fronts or pretend to be anything or put on an air about anything. This is our go-to safe zone. Kaylee also mentioned having the chance to get to know yourself and your interests. And one thing that is amazing about living alone is that you have a lot of autonomy over how your space gets used. If I decide that I want to throw my couch away and turn my entire living room into an art studio because I'm really interested in exploring art and painting, I can do that. I don't have to ask anyone if I can do that. If I decide that I want a waterbed instead of my regular bed because I'm going to look at the impact of water on sleep, I don't have to clear that with anyone. If I decide that I'm changing all the artwork to blue because I'm doing some mood and color therapy. I can do that relatively easily. And a lot of learning who you are and getting to know yourself and your interests and what works for you is experimentation and trial and error. You have to have some level of space to explore all those different parts of you. And of course, there are so many ways to do that. Maybe all of your exploration and your self-exploration happens outside of your home anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I do think that there is something comforting about having space in your house to do that. I also think it's nice to not have to explain what you're doing because you get some privacy to do it in. I have recently gotten super, super into fountain pens and it would really annoy me if I had like a roommate every day, like, why do you have another pen? What's so good about these pens where I'm just kind of like learning what this is, why this is significant to me. I don't want to have to justify making it significant or rationalizing it to someone else when I'm still kind of like working it out in my own brain. Like, why is this so soothing to me? So it's nice to be able to process in privacy. That is important to me. That is definitely high on my list of needs. And if it's high on your list of needs, then that could be a really big pro in the living alone bucket. Okay, our last caller, Denise, has definitely had her share of roommate issues, which I think is one of the most common reasons people push and <laughs> strive to live alone, just not wanting to deal with the drama of bad roomies. Hi, my name is Denise, and I love living alone. I lived by myself for seven years. I feel that living by myself is um, great. Um, I can walk around wearing whatever I want. I can go braless or wear shorts or, you know, whatever. I don't have to have clothes on all the time. I can watch whatever shows or movies, whatever I want. Sometimes I just watch the same thing over and over on TV. I don't have to worry about you know, anyone else saying anything, why are you watching that again? You just watched it last week. Um, and it's the same with eating. I usually eat the same foods over and over. Um, I can also decorate my place the way I like. Uh, another thing, uh, the summertime, I have to have the AC on as cold as possible. Uh, I used to live with roommates. And they would have the AC on at like 70 or 75 degrees thinking that it's cool enough. And that's not cool enough for me. And these same roommates, they were like disrespectful and rude. Uh, they always had company over without telling me. Uh, their grandson, he was young, like four or five. He lived a house away from us. And he would be at our place every single day, playing loudly, screaming, being a child. But... I'm not used to children, so like, I don't want to hear that. They would also interrupt my sleep. Uh, they would be blasting music, and when I would go and ask them to turn the music down, I'm not saying turn it off, turn it down. Uh, I used to work overnight shifts. They would just give me an attitude about it. 
But now I am so happy I don't have to deal with that nonsense. The only thing I don't like about living by myself, of course, is the cleaning. You know, I have back issues, so it's hard for me to clean. feel that I'm kind of traumatized by having roommates, so I really don't think I would ever want to live with anybody else. And I do hope that I can continue to live by myself in the future. Thanks. So I had some interesting roommate experiences, some that I would legitimately categorize as bad. But when I hear other people's roommate horror stories, I second guess how bad my own experience was. Like maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was because in the grand scheme of things, like I was fine. My stuff was fine. I didn't really lose sleep over anything and I left unscathed. But I know that some people have true like M. Night Shyamalan style scary stories about living with other people. So Denise mentioned like just going from bad experience to bad experience with these sets of roommates. And I totally empathize. Like, I think that if there was anyone who was causing me to not feel at peace at home, that would be a number one like trigger that I needed to do something to prioritize how I felt in my own home. Rent is too expensive to hate going home. I refuse to be one of those people who's hopping from happy hour to happy hour because you're just trying to put off going home as long as you can. If you pay the rent there, like you deserve to feel comfortable at your house always, period. Denise did mention a con though, and I do want to get into some of the pros and cons of living alone now, and that is the cleaning. I have never related to anything more than this concept. When you live by yourself, you are always cleaning like there's always something to clean I'm looking at my desk right now like wow you could clean this and my living room should be swept and I have laundry to put away and there are dishes in the sink and it's never ending and it's always your turn the feeling that it's always your turn is definitely something that comes up a lot when you're living alone and if you have some kind of like issues or illnesses or limitations that make it hard to do these things by yourself there's like it gets a lot. You either have to hire someone or come up with some kind of intervention or you're just stuck kind of like struggling through it. It's a lot. And I get that. And I agree. That is a huge con of living alone. Thank you again to everyone who called in and left a voicemail. The next solo episode, we will pick a different topic and you will have the chance to call in if you didn't get a chance to this time. And I so appreciate it because this is way more fun when we all get to chat together. All right, so let's get into some of the pros and cons of living alone, and then we're going to do a couple of tips that I have learned along the way that are helpful. So pro number one is the level of autonomy you have over your space. You don't have to try to mesh two different design aesthetics. You don't have to ask anyone or get your decisions cleared. If you are allowed to do it in your space and you're allowed to do it, period, it's so nice to just get to be fully yourself all the time in your space without having to consider other people. I think especially when you're in your like 20s, early 30s, there's so much consideration for others that you're going to have to do all the time later in life. And it's not that we shouldn't be considerate people, but it is nice to have one space in your life where you're allowed to just be as selfish as you want to be without there being like a crazy consequence for that selfishness. The second pro is that you have, like I mentioned before, the space to really get to know yourself, explore your hobbies, your interests, your likes or dislikes. One thing for sure is that all of your pet peeves will be uncovered when you have a roommate. I've learned that for sure over the years. If there's something that irks you, having someone do it in your space will highlight it tenfold. So you get to really explore 
what like what who you are as a person and what you really like what really gets you going when you live by yourself like you will learn the level of mess that you can deal with the level of neatness that you require to function um are you a shoes on off in the house or on the answer is off but you know live your life are you a outside clothes on the bed kind of person? Are you a fold clothes and put them away as soon as they come out the dryer? Or are they going to be lingering in piles for a couple of weeks? Don't ask me where I fall in that camp. But you really do get a lot of time for self-exploration when you live by yourself. Okay, let's get into a couple of cons. And this is something I get asked about often when I do Q&As on Instagram. Everything is your responsibility. That is a con. Like every bill is in your name. Every dish is yours to clean every room that needs to be wiped down like you drop something it shatters you have to clean it up there are definitely things you can do if these are areas that you struggle with but everything is your responsibility you are literally the head of household you run it all and it can be a little bit overwhelming and we're going to get into some tips for that but it's it's yeah it's a lot adulting is a scam with inflation and prices for everything going up rents are also really expensive right now so living by yourself is definitely the more costly option I definitely see the appeal of splitting rent with someone every time I pay my rent. I'm just like, wow. Wow. I'm not getting into the renting over buying debate, but just know homeownership is not the answer to <laughs> costs going up. The other con is that it's really easy to sit in your bad habits when you live alone. Because there are, you know, no consequences to your action when you live alone that impact others, it can be really hard to have accountability. So if you are the kind of person who naturally would like leave your dishes to, to rot and then throw them away and just buy new dishes, like, you know, not the most sustainable habit. It's really easy to let something like that fester. Or if you're the kind of person who isn't really good at being open and vulnerable and you bottle things up, it's really easy to pretend to be okay and hide your emotions when you live by yourself because you can literally hide in your little like depression cave and no one will be the wiser about what you're actually going through. I'd love to hear from you all about other pros and cons of living by yourself versus with Rumi. So leave them in the comments of our Instagram or send an email to the show tyfapodcast at gmail.com and we can keep these pros and cons coming because I'm sure that there are so many that I'm not even thinking of. But I want to get into some tips to help you all out if you are living alone or thinking of living alone or about to start searching for a new place to stay. Here are some things that have helped me along my solo living journey. First, budgeting. Be very honest about what your budget is and do the research to actually get a good understanding of how much things cost. Because like I said, everything is going to be on you. So it's good to just know how much is going out in order to maintain the lifestyle where you live. Yes, the rent is one thing, but are there affordable grocery stores in that area? What will your utilities be? What utilities will you pay for versus your landlord if you're renting? Things like that are all very important. If you have a car, how much will it cost you to park and keep your car where you're living, especially if you're living in a city or if you're going to use public transportation, like co consider those costs as well. Just always be running the numbers. And one thing, because I have a lot of anxiety around money that I have found really helpful is once a week, I go through my bank statement and I take stock of every single dollar that was spent and log like where it went and what category was it? Was it like a bill? A need? Was it a want? Was it emotional spending? Was I stressed buying another fountain pen because I had a bad day at Ikea? Like, what was the reason? And that way, I feel very connected to my spending, even when I'm not 
saving or I'm spending more like recreationally than I would like to. I don't feel like I don't know where the money is going. I'm very aware of where it's going, unfortunately, sometimes. But that is a really helpful practice to just really have stock of your finances when you are solely responsible for keeping the electricity on in your house. On decorating, my biggest tip is to go slowly. I think that when you're moving into a big empty space, your first instinct is just to fill the space. But that is so unsustainable, especially because you may really fall in love with one piece one month and then 30 days later you find something else and that doesn't go with it and now you have to completely rethink a room. I think you have to live in a space for like at least a month or two to really get to know it, to understand like how the light hits certain rooms or how the space is or does the floor do something weird in that one corner. So give yourself a couple of weeks to really live in the space before you start filling every nook and cranny with furniture and decor. Like I said, I know instinctively we all just want to like fill the emptiness and like fill the voids, but take your time, you have time. People often ask about combating loneliness when you are living by yourself, but I always remind people that living by yourself doesn't mean that you can't have people in your space, it just means they don't live there. If you need to host like a slumber party with your best friends once a month to feel a little bit more fulfilled and connected in your space, I say do that. I have friends who host get-togethers like literally nonstop, like it's host central over there. And I have friends who I've literally never been to their houses before. I'm probably like somewhere in the middle, not everyone can come to my house. But you know, fill your space with the people who you want to be there. And then the best part is you can ask them to leave when you're done with them. Like, trust me, an elite experience. Living alone does not inherently mean that you are lonely. So if that is something that is stressing you out, don't be it. Trust me, there are so many ways that you can fill your space with so much love and joy and laughter and happiness that you may not even notice that you are living by yourself. Oh, and I almost forgot because like I mentioned, it can be hard to have accountability when you're living by yourself and your bad habits can really fester. You need to do some things to prioritize like checking that and implementing some accountability. One thing that I like to do is make sure that I'm still like seeing people on a pretty regular basis, like talking to people on the phone, meeting friends for coffee dates. And then I put things on my calendar and I like to log things in my bullet journal so that I'm also aware of how often I'm doing certain things and how often how how doing those things at that frequency are impacting like my mood like when I'm like wow I feel really disconnected lately I can go back and look and say oh wow you haven't like hung out with anyone that you care about in the last five weeks because you've been focused on work maybe you need to reprioritize and shift things around so that you have more space to connect with your friends and that might change that mood so really be intentional about outside of the home space as well because like I said it really is easy to burrow down and not be accountable for your big feelings when you are always just like in your little self-induced utopia and then like I said all the bills and stuff it can be hard to manage there could be a lot of things depending on what you're in charge of like what your building covers versus what you cover or what your landlord does and you do so put everything in a calendar where you will be reminded of it at least two to three days before. Like if you have your internet bill due on the first of every month, make sure that on the 27th of every month you have a recurring calendar invite to pay that bill or even 15 days before to put that money aside so it's already waiting for you or put things on auto pay if you are someone who gets really overwhelmed with the amount of things that are just always due know that they're just like being paid and use your confirmation emails as checks so you can put them on your calendar and mark them as done 
I think that's all I have for you. I'm so excited about this episode. I hope you all enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed sharing. Like I said, we want to keep the conversation going. So if you have more thoughts on living alone, let us know what they are. What are your pros and cons? What are your tips and tricks, your life hacks? How have you made it work for you? And if you haven't found that living alone works for you, I'd love to hear from your perspective why living with roommates or having a little bit more built-in community is helpful. And I can't wait until we do this again. Um, If you have ideas about what our next community topic should be, please send an email to the podcast or shoot me a DM on Instagram or however you want to get in touch. I would love to hear about what you guys want to hear about next. That's it for this week's episode of Thank You For Asking. As always, you can let me know your thoughts on the episode, ask a question, or make a request for a future episode topic by emailing tyfapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the pod at TYFA Podcast on Instagram and visit us online anytime at TYFAPodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and share Thank You For Asking with a friend or 10 friends. Thank You For Asking is a production of Read More Media. I'm your host, Amber Burns, and you can find me online at by Amber Burns. Have an amazing rest of your week, and I will talk to you all next Thursday.